All right, Steeler fans, it is time for the second half of the Curtain Call podcast. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, the guy to my what right, I guess, here on, on this uh, on the screen, uh, Mr. Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, turn around. Uh, it's kind of hard directions on a computer, actually. I'm looking at, I guess you're on my right. But you're on my left. If we're, yeah. I don't know. We'll just ignore it. Uh, this podcast is about Isaiah Loudermilk. Of course, I'm talking to Jeffrey ben- Benedict. Um, what are your thoughts on this pick now? Of course, talking about him for 30 minutes, I, I feel like my impressions has changed dramatically ever since he's been drafted. It, his kind of stock has gone up in my book. Do you feel better about it now? Because I know we did the the podcast on draft day. We hated the pick. What do you think think of it now? I was not a big fan of his film, right? Uh, and and then Kevin was the guy who actually did, Kevin K.T. Smith, uh, did his film breakdown for the site. And he was not a fan. He was less of a fan of his film than I was. But for me, I have to go back to, to, the, 20, uh, to the 2020 draft when the Steelers in the seventh round took Carlos Davis. And I looked at his film and I'm like, this is the worst defensive lineman I've ever seen. Like, watching college film for someone who was picked. I've seen better film from undrafted free agents. Like, what are the Steelers doing? This was a wasted pick. And then in the season, week nine, he comes in and has to play, and he looks good. By the end of the season, he's looking like a guy that that could compete with, like, uh, you know, compete for, like, the number three, number four defensive lineman role. So for me, I look at that and say, you know what? They they do a better job than I do <laughs> at scouting talent. Uh, they they tend to see things and look at guys and say, okay, here's a problem we can fix. Uh, here's a trait we can't teach this other guy, and we can fix this guy's problem. So to me, uh, you look at his strengths, you see that length, you see the the power and the disruption he shows when his technique is on, right? When he has his technique going right. He is a disruptive force with his length, and he is a nasty person to try and deal with. If the Steelers can iron out his technique, if they can take this guy and turn him to someone who is play in and play out doing the right things, you're going to see that kind of Carlos Davis jump from him where he goes from like a guy you're like, ooh, no, his college film was bad, to a guy you look at on film and you're like, whoa, whoa, actually this guy's doing really good stuff. Uh, Carlos Davis has a lot of athleticism. He brings a great first step. You that showed up in film, and I expect this guy. I expect you to see. To, I expect to see his length and his power showing up uh, by by the end of his rookie season. Uh, here, I'll, I'll load this question up from Andrew Wilbar in the live chat. Here, he asked me if I think uh, he's going to be worth the fourth round uh, draft pick. Of course, Isaiah Loudermilk was traded for that. Uh, fourth round pick in 2022. And that one's going to be really tough because that's like a fourth round pick. Uh, you're kind of expecting someone to play at least a little bit. I, I think we won't know for several years um, until like we start to see like Cam and Stefan start to like, I guess, retire and move on in their endeavors to see what kind of Isaiah Loudermilk does as someone who could potentially be a replacement. So I, I hate to be the depends guy, but it, it really does. Um, it, I, I think the defensive linemen are deeper in next year's draft too. So that's uh, that's kind of the unfortunate side, but I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see uh, at how he does it 
it does at least through one season. Uh, Jeffrey, Andrew also asks a question to you. He says, any chance we could use his uh, length as an oversized edge occasionally on running downs? I don't think you'll see that right off the bat. Uh, but we, I think I've covered a decent bit in film rooms. Uh, the Steelers using a 4-3 look where Cam Hayward uh, plays the defensive end, like the edge spot. Uh, and they did that a lot, like say like Baltimore, they unbalanced the line, right? So they've got multiple tight ends on one side, so they're threatening to run that way. Well, the Steelers, instead of putting extra players there, the Steelers would put Cam Hayward over those two tight ends, and you would have the D- the offense trying to block Cam Hayward with two tight ends, which Cam Hayward would just like throw people to the ground and destroy your run play. And then they had numbers to the side that had the offensive linemen but fewer players. Uh, they do that formation a good bit. I could see him there in the future if he if he really develops and he gets his, his game together. Uh, I could see him playing that kind of a role. Uh, but for now, that's Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward is just an absolute beast out there. And he just he just it's one of my favorite things to do. Anytime they're in that formation, you see a team put two tight ends on one side, and you see Cam Hayward step out there and become the edge. I, I just I just get giddy inside just waiting to see. Uh, see if he's going to throw both of them or just one or just drive them back into the backfield. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so he's not going to take that from Cam Hayward right away, uh, but he definitely has that kind of potential to be that player. Yeah. That'll be one of the things to watch as well. And as his career progresses, it might not be this year, might not even be next year, but maybe 2023, he kind of uh, takes that next step. I think for me personally, my kind of opinion on him changed a little bit. Uh, before ever having seen him play just by like the captains of this defense thing. like, oh yeah, he fits in. Like he's good in the room. We like this guy. He's balling out. He looked great. That's that, that changed my opinion with him. But w- what I want to ask you, Jeffrey, it's kind of been one of the underlying themes that every show has talked about a lot uh, this off season. The Steelers are returning every single defensive lineman from last year, every single one. And then they added another one in Isaiah Loudermill to that spot. That's, that doesn't even mention that the Steelers uh, carried more defensive linemen than they typically do, uh, like they did in 2020. Now we have an extra guy. So my question to you is, which which of these, what, nine defensive uh, returners slash draftees, uh, which one of those guys gets cut? And uh, how do you see, like, the day one depth chart uh, shaping out? Well, you put me on the spot with Canada's teams. Can you name them all? All of Canada, Matt Canada's teams. No, can you name all the defensive linemen currently on the roster? The nine guys that you're you're expecting here: Hayward, Alu Alu, Tuit, uh, Bugs, Mondo, uh, Carlos Davis, Isaiah Loudermilk. Uh, uh, was there more? Uh, guy, you're missing the Michigan guy. The Michigan guy. Oh no! <laughs> I can't do it. Who was it? Chris Wormley. Oh goodness me! Yeah. The, the, Yes, Chris Warman. <laughs> you don't know him as you know him as the guy who came from the Ravens. I know him as the guy from Michigan. Right, of course you do. But of who's getting I cut? Do. Um, who? That's that's tough. I, I, I think they brought him in knowing that they were going to have to make a tough cut. Mm. Uh, but I do think I I do want to say I think they they bring as many as they brought last season, uh, because with seventeen games, they're going to want to keep Cam Hayward and Stephon to it fresh. That defensive line is the heart of the Steelers' defense. You know, as good as TJ, as good as Minka, as good as Devin Bush are, that defensive line is the heart of that and soul of that defense. Uh, for me, 
See, it's hard because for me, the obvious choice is, is Mondo. But at the same point, he's one of the better pass rushers of the reserves. He's probably behind. He might be better pass rusher than Alu Alu even. Like he he we don't have much beyond Hayward and Tua to pat rush the passer. Mondo does that and he plays special teams. That makes him a very hard out. Like he's a very tough guy to knock off this roster when he is a good special teams player. That really allows you to be like, well, yeah, we can skimp a little bit on a linebacker and we can throw this guy in there because he plays special teams. Uh, he's my number one choice. My number two would be Bugs. As much as 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 good of a player as he is, uh, I, I think he would be the next in line at risk. I think Carlos Davis, Louder Milk, I think those guys are safe. And I think all the top four, the veteran guys are safe. Mm. So that's gonna he, it's gonna be tough though for the Steelers to 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 cut anyone. See, like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like they'll have to move on from someone. Uh, I think the interesting name potentially to watch for is Warmly. I, I think I think if Alu Alu immediately signed with the Steelers instead of that whole saga with signing signing like coming to agreement with the Jags but never signing the paper, getting COVID, then working his way back to Pittsburgh. I think if that whole saga never happened, I don't think we see Warmly get that contract. I think that was more of like, all right, we lost Alu Alu. Which of these guys can play big snaps right away? They turn warmly. Alu Alu comes back a couple, what, like a week and a half after that signing. Now things kind of like, uh, now we're kind of, we put ourselves in a position here. I, I can't really see warmly getting cut just because I, I think that might negatively affect the salary cap, but I think that might be one more name to try to uh, keep in the back of your head. Um, back to the Isaiah Loudermilk stuff, though. Uh, do you st- And kind of on the same vein of what uh, Andrew asked me earlier, do you like the Steelers moving a fourth-round pick to kind of round out their entire draft this year and having a pick in every single round? Are, are you okay with that now? Or what's kind of your feeling on, on trading a, a pick that might be seen as – a, a lot more valuable uh, for a pick this year. That's a complex one answer for me. Because uh, first reaction, no. No, I didn't like it. Like, I didn't like especially trading up and then they select a position they are strong at with a guy who is a project and they wait till the seventh round to address cornerback. And now you're down a fourth-round pick next year, so all those comp picks we're getting, we're, we're losing one already. Like, we're already down one of the picks that we're hoping to gain. I did not like the trade. Uh, on the other hand, like I've said, I, I have a lot of faith in Carl Dunbar and, and, and taking guys that are kind of look like scrap heap kind of players and, and getting serviceable rotation guys out of them. Like, really doing good there. Uh, Alu Alu obviously has taken off. And, and has played his best football since he, he got matched up with Carl Dunbar, uh, which is crazy as long as he's been and he's been a first-round pick and he's playing his best football ever last year. Uh, but we've also seen that with Bugs. We've seen that with Mondo. We've seen that with Carlos Davis. We're seeing guys turn into serviceable NFL players and possibly more. So on that side, looking at the fact that they traded specifically to get him, because it's pretty clear when you trade a fourth-round pick to get a fifth-round pick now, and you go and draft a player. You're not just saying, oh, hey, guys, let's uh, let's pick best player available, but we're just going to trade a pick from next year 
and, and get an extra player. No, they they wanted him specifically. And then to hear the stuff I'm hearing coming out, it sounds like they found another guy. Like they found one of the guys they like, one of the type of players they wanted. Uh, so I'm more okay with it. I still don't like that draft capital. I'm not going to be happy when it, when next year's draft comes along and we have holes that I'm sitting there going, you know, if we had another fourth round pick, it'd be a little easier. Yeah. No, I, no. I love adding people. <laughs> Me too. And then the Steelers only add people through the draft. Maybe they'll trade a 2023 third to get a fourth <laughs> back. It'll just go on forever until like the, they're down two first round picks somehow. And we'll all be shaking our heads like, what the hell did we just do to ourselves? But whatever. Um, to move on from some Isaiah Loudermilk talk and kind of move into uh, OTAs, uh, there's been some news. And really, the last couple of days, there's been some interesting stuff to come out. Um, we'll start with the kind of the OTA stuff before we kind of break down uh, Ben Roethlisberger's uh, his interview, really, his first one since, uh, since what, that Cleveland game, I suppose. Um, but... The OTAs itself, we've kind of seen players and position groups kind of start to come in sort of in waves. Uh, discussion Jeff Hartman and myself had the other day. It seems like the Steelers have uh, just told guys like, hey, uh, don't bother coming in first week. We'll have the receivers come in week two and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, the last two days, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and today Eric Ebron uh, showed up uh, to OTAs. Uh, what do you think those three guys specifically will bring to this team this year? Of course, uh, two second-year guys and then uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's the senior statesman, even though he's not the oldest receiver, but uh, year five as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. Um, I Juju is the one I'm really interested in seeing. Really interested in seeing him in this offense. Randy Feekner's offense uh, did no favors for the number one receiver. It did no favors for Antonio Brown in 2018. It did no favors for Juju Smith-Schuster in 2019 or 2020. Uh, so I'm going to be interested in seeing what they do with him in Matt Canada's offense. I'm also interested to see he's talking about playing outside more. I'm interested in seeing that. Very interested in what he's going to be. And he's kind of a wild card for me as, as much as I love Juju and as much as he's already shown. And like we know what we're going to get on the field from him. He's kind of a wild card production wise because it all depends on how Matt Canada wants to run this offense. Chase Claypool, I am expecting a big season from him. I, I, I think he's going to, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, top five in the NFL kind of season. I think he's going to, to be the number one receiver by the end of the season. I think he's the number one guy. Uh, I also, I also think the number one guy isn't going to be what we think of and what we're used to with the AB years as a number one guy. I think the number one guy, it's possible it could, it could be like, you know, under 1,100 yards even in a 17-game season with as deep as they are, as many targets as they have. With you know, you got tight ends like Eric Ebron. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of hope for Eric Ebron this season. I think, I think Fryermuth is going to be a big help to him. And his numbers just playing less. He, by the end of the season, he was visibly having trouble. Like his back was causing him troubles. He was having trouble making cuts. You're just you're just seeing a guy that got worn down. Uh, and as big as he is, and athletic as he is, and as old as he is, you want to rest his snaps. You want to you want to put him on a snap count. You want to watch his usage, and really, you know, focus on using him where he's best. And, and get Fryermuth out there. Let Fryermuth play more. 
use use more creativity stuff like that. You don't need Eric Abron out there every play like we did last season. Now, of course, OTAs like basically you hear nothing but great stuff coming out about all the players. It's just kind of the the way this time of the year goes. Did you take any stock out of uh, the stuff that comes out of these practices? Does it mean anything to you? Do you you pay attention even uh, to this kind of stuff? I pay attention to a little bit. Uh, I like hearing what the coaches and the players are saying. Uh, I, I don't pay attention to like, oh, look at this beautiful pass. Ben Roethlisberger under zero pressure through to, to like this receiver with no one covering him. Wow, look at that catch. Like that's – it's practice, you know? Or like they, they showed that pass of Ben overthrowing Chase Claypool and Chase Claypool was like clearly jogging. Right, yeah. like you're like this is like warm up throws, guys. It doesn't matter. Like this is not what matters. Uh, I people are raving about Dwayne Haskins because people are talking about, wow, look how pretty he is throwing the ball. Well, yeah, it's football in shorts, and in football in shorts, you can learn three things: you can learn jack, diddly, and squat. Nothing. OTAs is football in shorts, and you will learn nothing about what these guys are going to do in the games what their production is going to be, how good they're going to be. That's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is guys like an Isaiah Loudermilk. Is he learning the technique? How much work is he putting in? Najee Harris, is he putting in the work to learn the offense? That's the stuff that stands out to me, uh, is is looking at guys and the work they are doing. What are they working on? Uh, That's the important thing to me. Other than that, I mean, like a guy like Cameron Hayward, what, what are you going to learn from him in OTAs? He's there. He's still Cam Hayward. Like, is he still as good as he was last year? I don't even know. You can't tell. And it's OTAs, right? It's just guys like that. What's even, I don't even know what the point is of them being there. Just getting the practice, warming up. You're not learning anything. Well, then again, it is a new offense. So I, I think there is something important there uh, yeah. for Ben and them. But like you said, uh, you, you brought up Najee Harris's name. Uh, we can kind of even transition this to uh, the Ben Roethlisberger uh, interview breakdown portion of tonight's show. Um, he specifically, uh, singled out Najee Harris. Uh, well, of course he was asked about him, but, uh, he, he went on to say that to Eddie Faulkner told him, uh, Hey kid, get the hell out of here. I want to go home. I want to see my family. Uh, cause uh, he, he's just that workaholic. Uh, what do you think about that? Does, does that make you more excited about this topic? That's, uh, I mean, that's what we heard on our podcast. When we were talking to the Alabama guys is that he was just always working. We heard that. Um, Tomlin talking about he came in with an elite level of conditioning, which is something you never hear from Tomlin. Tomlin's always like, yeah, they're good, but we're going to get them in there, work on their conditioning. He came in and Mike Tomlin was like, this guy is ready to go, like NFL ready conditioning, which is crazy for a college kid to pull that off. That is a serious work ethic. When you don't have coaches, you don't have trainers, you don't have the access to staff. You have like you have limited time you can spend with staff as a professional. You, you don't have those limits. You're limited by how long they're willing to stay and work with you. And then you can hire your own people to work with you in the offseason. There's no limit to the amount of work they can do, just you know, being smart and not overtaxing their body, really. Uh so I, I'm excited about I'm excited to see that continue. Uh and it, it makes me it it makes me more comfortable with his health. Injury-wise, because what what we normally see with running backs, specifically running backs, but across the board, 
when an athlete uh, greatly increases the amount of work they're doing. Like when they increase the physical toll, like if you push your workouts to the next level, all of a sudden you you're going to be more like susceptible to injury. Uh, when you're taking a giant leap in the amount of carries and the amount of hits you're taking, you're more susceptible to injury. And with a Najee Harris who didn't get a, wasn't like ever getting tons and tons of carries and touches uh, in the end in, in college, he wasn't that guy. You're looking at a potential ramp up in usage it's good to know that he is already like prepared physically. He's been training himself for this for a long time. Uh, so he's, I, I mean, it's exciting for me. And it's, it's exciting to hear that that's continuing. Yeah. And really I, I could quite easily go on about Najee and uh, all the great things we've heard about him easily through the end of the show and probably about 10 others past that. But uh, just to continue to move along through uh, stuff Ben said, he complimented Dwayne Haskins, and I just want I just want that to, to, to marinate a little bit. He complimented another quarterback. <laughs> the only other time he's done that in his near 20-year career that I can think of is talking about Josh Dobbs being a genius. And if I recall correctly, the question was more so centered around Mason Rudolph, and he deflected it to turn to talk about his buddy Josh Dobbs and how smart he is and how much he loves him. Does that mean something to you? Are you like all of a sudden like, oh, okay, may- maybe the Steelers might have gotten something? Like it might not be like we don't know if, if it's going to be anything, but like he he's complimenting another quarterback. To me, that means at least something. Does it to you as well? Yeah, and and James Washington said he throws really hard, uh, so he's got a lot of compliments on his arm talent, right? Uh, and how pretty his release is, how, how pretty that is. Um, again, it's still football in shorts. You can throw a beautiful ball, but, but can you, you know, can you make a play under pressure? It, I think is more important. Um, you know, do you, like Devlin Hodges threw an ugly football, didn't have a lot of talent, but under pressure, he was better than like he was in practice. Uh, so, so he actually won us some games. If, and then there's guys who can throw a pretty ball. That's fine. You can throw a pretty ball. But if you can't make plays under pressure, you're not going to win in the NFL. So for me, I like hearing that. I like hearing the positivity because because what it tells me is at least he's not a problem. If Dwayne Haskins was a problem, if he was someone people didn't like, they wouldn't compliment him even if he did look great, right? So there's a little bit there. That I, I think that it's showing the Steelers players and coaches have a little more investment in him. Uh, that his contract would denote, and other than that, man, I can't. It, I can't wait till preseason, like yeah. when we get to see, you know, Dwayne Haskins out there as this as this boy that as this guy that's been uh, been built up by all the teams, kind of the golden boy, and uh, Mason Rudolph, who who's kind of getting overlooked. I, I really hope we see a situation where like Dwayne Haskins is like, all right. I found a place. Let's go out and take this job. And you've got Mason Rudolph with a bit of his chip on his shoulder, you know, playing, playing and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not bad. I'm that's my spot. And you're not taking it. I, I want to see that. I want to see a fire under these guys. I want to see some competition. I want to see some great preseason football after Ben leaves. Uh, you know what? If I wasn't writing for this website, I would, I would make a, a point of watching every single preseason game to watch that competition. This is going to be probably the most thrilling storyline I can think of in, in my lifetime of Steelers preseason football. 
So, like, that's something to watch. Yeah, if you're thinking about, like, what was the last time we had two backup quarterbacks this good? Like, really that good. And also young. Yeah, like, we've like, had, like, Brian Leftwich and Charlie Batch, who were both yeah. former starters. But there wasn't any competition there. Batch was old. Like, <laughs> Leftwich was older. There, No one was – they weren't on the ups – they weren't, you know, on the ascension. So I, I think it's – I think it does have a chance to be a special special thing to watch this preseason. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, just to continue to move on, Ben did say a lot, so I, I don't think we'll get through all of it tonight. But one of one of the other things he did say, he mentioned that his elbow was completely restructed, reconstructed. I should say that that is a real word. Um, is that just Ben being his typical diva self? Like I, to me, it sounded like it, like a couple ligaments were just kind of reattached. But Ben said it, it was complete restructuring, reconstruction. I did again. Uh, they, re- they restructured his elbow contract. Exactly. Um, which is another <laughs> thing they talked about. But uh, anyway, do you think Ben's just full of it right now? Or did, like, was that way more than uh, what we're actually led to believe? This is, I, you never know with Ben. It's, it was such a Ben conversation. Oh, right. So, yeah. He's just like, oh, my elbow. Yeah. They had to glue my arm back on, dude. And I was, as they're gluing it on, I'm like, Steelers, anything you want? You want me to walk your dog? I love you guys. You're my favorite. I love all of this. This is the only franchise I ever want to have anything to do with ever in the history of my life. Uh, like it's, it's Ben. It's, it's Ben being Ben. Even and the thing is, even when he says the right things and actually means them, he comes across the same way. And you're like, is he being genuine? <laughs> is this yeah. real? Like, he's just, he's not a dude that conveys that. He's just, He's just that guy that, like, whenever he says anything, you're like, really? Is that really? Like, whether he's serious or not. So, I don't know. I don't know. What what stands out to me, though, is he's there, and you can see he is really present, and he is putting an effort to to kind of lead, to be the quarterback he kind of needs to be. Um, and I, I think that is a direct result of last season the end of that season, how they lost the rumors and the appearance. And though even the way Kevin Colbert was talking, like he was sending a signal to Ben, like, you know what? We're okay. If you move on, like you can go and we'll be like, Oh, had great times with you, buddy, but we're ready to, you know, we're okay. Moving on now. This isn't a couple years ago when, when talking about leaving Ben leaving would be like, Oh gosh, no, don't do that to the franchise. They were a little more okay with it. And I think I think that hit Ben. I think that really hit him. And he's like, I'm gonna have to get like this is my chance to get back. I couldn't last season, like there was no off season. And even when he was there, like he was limited on his throws. Then he's feeling out his new elbow, and then all of a sudden the season starts after no preseason games. And it's like, here's a bunch of guys you haven't thrown to before. Go out there and make stuff happen in this offense that you barely got to practice. You know, with with Matt Canada's system. So I. I think he's there one of the things we've talked about is ben needs to buy in i think we're seeing a buy-in so far yeah that's what it looks like is he's he's bought in so i like that that's what i like is it looks like we have a buy-in from ben yeah i wholeheartedly agree with that um one last thought here before we do our usual wrap-up but to me, Ben Roethlisberger, when it, when it will be his time to retire, he seems like the kind of guy throughout his career, you know, 
uh, he has a bruise, but he lays on the field like he's been shot for 20 minutes. He gets up and leads the the fourth quarter comeback. Like, how many times that happened? Like, if you had a nickel for every time that happened, you'd be a very, very rich person. And, like, that's not even a joke. That's just the way it is. We know our quarterback is a diva. Uh, to me, I feel like we will know wholeheartedly when Ben Roethlisberger's final season will be well before that season even starts. Like, I feel like he, he's the kind of guy that would kind of want, like, not not to compare him to, but like the when Kobe Bryant retired, uh, we knew it before the season. He announced it every single stadium he went to. He got in, like a nice little plaque or like a hoop from his first game that they somehow still had or uh, whatever. Like he was presented with something like not necessarily like uh, him getting those like, like that kind of treatment, but like that you know this is his last season. Like, do do you agree with that? Do, do you think like? When, when it really is Ben's time to hang him up, we will know before football uh, is actually completed being played? I don't. I actually don't. I, I think, mm. in my opinion, Ben's more of the guy who's going to suddenly be like, he's going to wake up one day and be like, you know what, I'm done. And he's just going to check out. Hopefully it's not in the middle of a season. Because he's the kind of guy, in my opinion, he's the kind of guy that if he hits that, it's gonna. You're not gonna want him as your quarterback after that <laughs> moment when he when he is suddenly like, you know what? I'm done. I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna be with my kids. I'm gonna buy police dogs and and you know all this stuff. Like he's done. He'll be done. I think he's more that kind of thing uh, than than really being like I want. I want all the. I want all the attention on yeah. me because he's also at the same time like he could have a bruise on his elbow. Or he could have a legitimately broken arm. And you're going to get the same reaction from him. And he's still going to go out there and do things. I, I think he's, <laughs> you know, he's still going to do the same no matter what. Uh, I don't know. I think I think he's the guy who's he's going to wake up one day and just be done. And you know what? I, I agree with that as well. Um, I think we'll either see uh, Ben Roethlisberger just play really, like I could see him have a great year this year and be like, you know what? I, I want a I want a retirement run and just like pat myself on the back. Or he's just terrible this year, and everyone's like, "Dude, you gotta go." I, I yeah. I, I feel like that's probably uh, after how you broke it down. I, I feel like that's probably one or two ways that it goes down. I, I wouldn't be surprised by either way, even if they won a Super Bowl. Like I, I know there's people that think, "Oh yeah, he'd be done." I, I I agree that there's a chance that he might come back. Try to try to get that fourth. Try to chase Terry. I wouldn't be surprised, but. We, we are at the top of the hour here, or I guess the bottom of the hour now, uh, running the other side. But uh, do you have anything you want to plug, Jeffrey, before we sign out? Yeah, I'm doing a bunch of – I'm doing an overall arcing series on Matt Canada. Uh, just grabbing, grabbing plays from, like, different years. I'm trying to get every single team he coached for. Uh, Indiana is, is hard. Uh, some of them are hard to get good film on. But uh, I'm, I'm just going through different plays, showing things he did. Uh, and eventually that's going to work around to early in the Steelers season uh, where some of the things we talk about with Ben, some of the narratives I've even seen coming up in the chat uh, where Ben had said, like, you know, I'm not against going under center. Well, we're going to see that. Uh, we're going to see him using play action. We're going to see him in the pistol. We're going to see Matt Canada's motions and then the Steelers throw the ball because they did that stuff early in the season. Uh, it's just hard to remember with how the rest of the season went. You know, it's hard to remember what they were doing those first couple of games. Uh, but we've seen some of it. 
And so I, we're really working on like what Matt Canada, what to expect from this offense, what to expect uh, coming forward in this season where Matt Canada is fully in charge of this offense. And it's been a very interesting series. It's been interesting for me to see some of the things that, that go on. Uh, so check that out. And as always, the vertex I do with uh, Dave Schofield. That's that's one of my favorite pieces I do each week. Yeah, for sure, guys. Check those out. Um, also, just click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm telling you, the, the content coming out there is outstanding. As Jeffrey Benedict's earpiece falls out of his head, <laughs> goodness gracious, uh, we're falling apart here at, at the end of the show. But uh, one last thing to check out as, as I really got Jeffrey laughing now. Uh, make sure you just click oh. over to the, the podcast platform side if you don't already do so. Subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, what have you, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're you're, uh, you're subscribed to BehindTheSealCurtain.com because there's stuff that uh, you won't get on YouTube or Facebook that you will get on that on those platforming uh, options. So make sure you're clicking on all, on all those uh, all those sites. Uh, thank you for once again for tuning in to tonight's curtain call. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you soon, guys. <laughs>